before we read God's word, um, let's pray. O Lord, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Give us grace to receive your truth in faith and love and strength to follow on the path you set before us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Today's scripture reading is taken from Genesis chapter 19, verses 1 to 29. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. No, they answered, we will spend the night in the square. But he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, no, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men for they have come under the protection of my roof. Get out of my way, they replied. This fellow came here as a foreigner and now he wants to play the judge? We'll treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. But the men inside reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness so they could not find the door. The two men said to Lot, do you have anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, Hurry and get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, Hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you'll be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand in the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives, don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you'll be swept away. But Lot said to them, no, my lords, please. Your servant has found favour in your eyes and you have shown great kindness to me in sparing my life. But I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me and I'll die. Look, here is a town near enough to run to and it is small. Let me flee to it. It is very small, isn't it? then my life will be spared. He said to him, very well, I will grant this request too. I will not overthrow the town you speak of, but flee there quickly because I cannot do anything until you reach it. This is why the town was called Zor. By the time Lot reached Zor, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, destroying all those lives in the cities. And also, sorry, and also the vegetation in the land. But Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he stood before the Lord. He looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah, toward all the land of the plain, and he saw dense smoke 
rising from the land like smoke from a furnace. So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Good morning to everyone. The Lord be with you. Now we have been learning more about God. We should we worship as we follow the faith journey of Abraham, haven't we? God, as we learn to, as we learn more about Him, we get to know more about Him. Uh, the more we know about Him, the more we will trust Him, and the more we will love Him. So last Sunday, we learned that God is a righteous God. God will not destroy the righteous in Sodom along with the wicked. For 10 righteous people, God is willing to spare the people. That was a deal God made with Abraham at the close of the day in chapter 18. Will there be 10 righteous people in Sodom? That's the question in Abraham's mind. Because Abraham hopes that there will be because he is anxious for his nephew who lives in Lot. Now we are not told how Abraham slept that night. But early the next morning, Abraham is woken up by the noise of a distant rumbling. And he felt sure that there was tremors of an earthquake. And so chapter 19 Verses 27 to 28 tells us that Abraham runs to the place where he had made the deal with God the afternoon before. And then Abraham looks down to the valley below, towards Sodom and Gomorrah, and he sees smoke, dense smoke, rising from the entire plain. The entire plain is on fire. And so there were no 10 righteous people in Sodom. God's judgment has come upon the city. Abraham's heart sinks. He fears for Lot and his family. What has become of them, he wonders. Well, fortunately for Abraham, he would eventually find out that Lot is saved. For God remembered Abraham and spared Lot on account of his intercession. And so verse 29 of chapter 19 reads, So when, Abraham, when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham. And he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. So God is indeed merciful. He answered Abraham's prayer. He saved Lot even though he did not deserve it. Indeed, Lot was saved by the skin of his teeth. And there was much drama in his rescue. And so it is good to recall Lot's rescue because there are many lessons for us to learn. Now you may remember that in chapter 18, after the lunch fellowship with Abraham, God sent his two angels ahead to Sodom to check out the grievous sins there. And if the sins were as bad as the outcry God had heard 
then God would destroy the city. And so chapter 19 begins with the two angels arriving at Sodom in the evening. And Lot happens to be there at the city gate. And he greets the two visitors warmly, bowing down to the ground like Abraham did when he welcomed his three visitors. Does Lot suspect that these two visitors might be angels? Well, we are not told. Anyway, Lot extends his hospitality to them, offering them bed and breakfast since it is already getting dark. And when the visitors prefer to spend the night uh, in the town square, uh, Lot forces his hospitality on them, for he knows what will happen to them in a town square. But staying in Lot's house does not guarantee their safety either, for no sooner have the visitors finished their dinner, the reputation of Sodom for wickedness is confirmed. The whole city's male population, from young to old, descend on Lot's house and pound on his door, and they demand to have sex with the visitors. So what should Lot do? Well, he is committed to protect his guests, and that is the honorable thing to do. But sadly, how he goes about protecting his guests is not at all honorable. Lot pleads with the attackers to spare the visitors and offers the attackers his two daughters instead, his two daughters who have been pledged to be married. Now, we are shocked at Lot's action, aren't we? We are thinking, what kind of father, what, what father would offer his daughters to lecherous and lustful men in order to protect his visitors? Now, we would condemn Lot's action as immoral, despicable. And we would criticize him for being cowardly and for being so foolish. And so we think nothing good about him from our perspective. But do you know what the New Testament says about Lot? Listen to what the Apostle Peter has to say in his second letter. In chapter 2, beginning uh, at verse 7 through verse 9, we read these words. If he, that is God, if God rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trial and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. So there are three things that Peter says about Lot. One, he is a righteous man. Now, does this surprise you that Lot is a righteous man? Uh, you, you may want to scream, no way. Now, this is understandable because we have, see, we have not seen, we, we have not been at all impressed by Lot's behavior. But the New Testament tells us that righteousness is not obtained through works of the law, 
We don't become righteous by doing good deeds. We don't become righteous by putting on our best behavior. No, we become righteous by faith, by believing in God's promise to us. Abraham believed in God's promise to him and he was counted righteous. The thief on the cross, he believed Jesus and he was counted righteous. And when you and I believe in God's promise in Christ Jesus, we are counted as righteous. And so in the same way, Lot probably believes in God's promise to Abraham. Lot probably believes that through Abraham, all nations will be blessed, including himself. And that is why Lot is counted righteous. So there's one lesson here for us today. Do not judge a book by its cover. Now, there may be some people who proclaim to be Christians, but when you look at their actions, they, they don't quite match our idea of who a Christian should be. But we must not be quick to judge. We must not be quick to judge a person's misbehavior and dismiss them as if they are unbelievers. Because if they have believed in God's promise in Jesus Christ, they are righteous. They are true believers. So that's one lesson. Do not judge a book by its cover. Now, the second thing the Apostle Peter says about Lot is this. Lot is distressed, very distressed, by the depravity around him. Now, perhaps Lot had no idea of the sinfulness of Sodom when he first moved to the city. But having now learned of the depravity, Peter says that Lot is tormented in his soul by the corruption and by the evil deeds that he sees and he hears. So he is therefore conflicted when faced with the dilemma of protecting the dignity of his visitors and the dignity of his family. What should he do when he has to protect the dignity of his visitors? So that's the dilemma he faced. Now, have you experienced such dilemma in your life? Were you ever caught metaphorically speaking, between the devil and the deep blue sea, where you are damned if you do and damned if you don't. Now, perhaps we don't experience such dilemma because we are so comfortable <clears throat> with our lives, with our own lives, and we are unaware that all around us, there is increasing violence, there is increasing sexual immorality, and there is increasing injustice. And because we are unaware of all this, we are never distressed by the sin around us. And the reason we are not distressed by the sin around us is because we have been immunized by the violence and the immorality on the screen. You see, we, we watch the same movies and the same Netflix programs as everyone else. And so when we see and hear about all the wicked things in real life, the debauchery, the obscenity, 
the greed, the gluttony, the injustice. We no longer react with any grief or with any anger. And we show no hint of indignation. But friends, when we witness all the wicked things in the world, and there is no reaction from us at all, we are in greater danger than Lot was. At least Lot was, I mean, at least Lot felt the indignation of the sinfulness of his culture. He was conflicted and he was fighting sin inside of him and outside of him. And so this is another lesson we can learn from Lot. If you are comfortable in your Christian life and you are never fighting sin on the inside or on the outside, you may be spiritually dead. On the other hand, if you are struggling in your Christian life, and you may be struggling with your temper, you may be struggling with your pride, or even struggling with your lust. But if you are fighting these sins in your life, inside and outside, there is good news. You are very much spiritually alive. And when you are willing to fight sin on the inside and the outside, you can be sure that God, the Holy Spirit, will help you win the fight and rescue you from difficult and impossible situations. And this is the third thing that Peter says about Lot. You see, as Lot was going through his trial of being uh, distressed by his sin, the Lord rescued him from a most dangerous situation. <clears throat> Now, we know that if the attackers had accepted Lot's offer, his daughters would have ended up dead. Fortunately, the attackers refused Lot's offer, but they then turned their anger at Lot. But before they could do any further damage, the angels intervened and caused the crowd to go blind temporarily. And this gives Lot and his family time to get out of Sodom before the angels destroy the city. And once Lot, his wife and two daughters are outside of Sodom, the angels gave them a final instruction for their safety. And verse 17 reads that the angels tell them, flee for your lives, don't look back. And don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. Now you would have thought that Lord Lot uh, would fully cooperate and uh, listen to the angels. Because it's a matter of life and death. But no, Lot and his wife find opportunity to disregard the warning. First, Lot refused to flee to the mountains. And we are not sure why Lot refuses to go to the mountains. Perhaps he, he does not think that he will make it in time. And so he asks 
permission to seek refuge in a nearby town named Zor. And we read this uh, in verses 18 to 20. <clears throat> but Lord said to the angels, No, my lords, please, your servant has found favor in your eyes, and you have shown great kindness to me in sparing my life. But I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me and I will die. Look, here is a town near enough to run to, and it is small. Let me flee to it. It is very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. Now, I don't know about you, but I struggle to have sympathy for Lot. Now, Lot seems to have an attitude problem. I mean, he has no sense of the gravity of the situation. And the angels are doing their utmost best to save him. And he backs out of fleeing to the mountains. Now, having read, read this account, do you think Lot deserved special consideration? Well, the surprise here is that God grants Lot his request. God grants him the concession to seek refuge in Zor. And here is the third lesson for us to learn. God is more merciful than we are. God is more merciful than any human beings. Now, we human beings are merciful to those who are deserving. But God is merciful even to the undeserving. He is more gracious, more gracious than we care to ask or imagine. And because of God's mercy, the people of Zor are spared judgment. They are spared judgment on account of one righteous person who sought refuge in the town. And so when you think about that, you begin to think, wow, okay. I have been judgmental. Yeah, God is more merciful than me. He saved the town of Zor on account of Lot moving there. So if God is that merciful to a small town in Zor, how much more merciful will God be towards the whole world? In fact, God is so merciful that he sent his one and only son, his one and only righteous son into the world so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Friends, I hope you recognize the breadth and the depth of God's love for, for us. God loves us even though we do not deserve it. God's love for us does not depend on our worthiness. He loves us even when we are his enemies. And so, if you have not accepted the, his grace, his offer of grace, I pray that you will turn to God. You will turn away from your, from your idolatry and put your trust in Jesus Christ. And you will be saved like 
Lot was. But sadly, Lot's wife was not saved. She suffered a different destiny. Now we are told that when Lot reaches Azor, God's judgment begins to fall on Sodom and Gomorrah. And verses 24 and 25 tells us this. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, destroying all those living in the cities and also the vegetation on the land. Now scientists give the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah a naturalistic explanation. They say that what happened was that um, these two cities, they set on the fault line for earthquake. And so on that morning, the earth gave way, opening up a fissure that released large amount of gas that then ignited. And this in turn set aflame the rich deposits of sulfur and petroleum. And the result is, is a catastrophic firestorm that engulfed the entire plain. Now this might have been what happened scientifically, but the text tells us that the firestorm was the result of God's judgment. And tragically, Lot wives, the wife chose to ignore the warning of God's judgment. And verse 26 tells us that as the firestorm swept through the plains, Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Now we must not imagine that Lot's wife stole a glance backward as she ran toward Zor. No, the term look back is used metaphorically here because Jesus gives us this explanation. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 17, beginning from verse 30 to 32, we read about Jesus teaching the people about what not to do on the final day of judgment. He says, on that day, no one who is on the housetop with possession inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. So Jesus is warning us not to go back for our possessions. But apparently, Lot's wife tried to run back to Sodom to salvage her possessions. You see, she missed her handbags. She missed her shoes, favorite shoes, her favorite coats. And she missed whatever that makes her happy. She could not live without her stuff. So she ran back, but was swept away by the molten lava and became fossilized among one of the rock formations around the Dead Sea. And so this is the final lesson for us this morning. 
We live in a consumerist society, a consumerist society that tells us that our happiness can be found in the material possessions that we own. And so we tend to buy things we do not need. And we hoard things, believing that they will provide us with security. And so we build our identity around the toys we have, the house we own, the car we drive, the clothes we wear. But Jesus gives us this warning. You see, that desire to have possessions boils down to the greed inside us. And so Jesus gives us this warning. Watch out against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. So we should take heed of Jesus' warning. We should not hoard our wealth. We should not hoard our material things. Instead, we should be generous and we should use our wealth to support gospel work. We should use our wealth to support the poor and the needy. And that is the purpose that God has given us wealth, to share with those who are in need and to support the gospel work. So let us care for others in practical and sacrificial ways. In this way, we store up <clears throat> for ourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in to steal. Now, Jesus also says that, um, that there is a final, a coming judgment that is worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. And so we must not be caught. We must not be caught in the pursuit to accumulate wealth. Your possessions will not save you from the fiery judgment that is to come. You need righteousness. You need Christ's righteousness. And this Christ's righteousness is yours when you put your faith in Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus died for your sins and mine to bring us back to God. And he saves us from the judgment to come. And so the question this morning is, have you put your trust in Jesus Christ? Don't delay. Turn to Christ and give God the glory that is his alone. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for the world you have created. In your love, you have sent your one and only son, Jesus Christ, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We thank you for giving us this new life eternal. And may we keep turning away from our idols to serve you, the one and only true God. Keep us faithful as we wait patiently for Jesus to return to save us from the coming wrath. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.